So we're going to be in chapter 6 here tonight. And, you know, one of the things that I've loved that what Paul has said here in this book is that how he came to them not with great speech, not with lofty words. And in all accounts that, that we have on the Apostle Paul, that he was not an impressive looking guy. As a matter of fact, if Paul was to walk in here right now, he wouldn't grab our attention. And, but what Paul tells you, it tells us in this book is that he came with the simple message of Christ. And there's always power in the gospel message. And Paul finds this church that, that he had founded, they're in trouble. And there's division in the church. There's no spiritual growth in this church. How sad is this that, that these Corinthians have accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and yet there's no growth whatsoever. Uh, he also sees where they're following man as opposed to following Christ. Uh, we're told that some were followers of Paul, some were followers of Cephas, and others were followers of Apollos. And Paul told them that the way that you must look at us apostles, that we are servants of Christ, that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And then what we saw was that there was sexual immorality in the church, where a man had done something terrible. Uh, we see an example of church discipline, where he is basically removed from the church. And one important point to note, whenever church discipline occurs, the key or, or the, the goal is that there would be restoration, that you want the wayward believer to be able to come back into the church, but there has to be restoration. And so tonight, we're going to be in chapter 6. In chapter 6, there are two sections in this chapter, and verses 1 through 11 deal with lawsuits against believers. That's where we're going to spend our time here tonight. The second half of chapter 6, verses 12 through 20, deals with fleeing from sexual immorality. But we're going to focus on the first 11 verses here tonight, uh, dealing with lawsuits. Um, so ha have any of you here ever been involved in a lawsuit? Anyone here ever involved in a lawsuit? Yeah. I mean, I, I would tell you that even if you are uh, on the winning end, even if you are trying to get a wrong made right, that it is a horrible experience. It's not an enjoyable experience. In the year 2000, uh, I was involved in a lawsuit. I'm working for a company that its name was Fujitsu, and they are suing a major technology company by the name of Cisco. Not the food guys, uh, the Cisco that, that sells electronic data equipment, video equipment, huge company. And we were, we were suing them for stealing trade secrets. And because my boss had just left the company, and they did not want to make a Japanese executive the chief complainant. In one of these cases, you have to name someone as the chief complainant. Well, guess who gets named the chief complainant? Dear Ron, okay? <laughs> and I can honestly tell you, this trial went on for three months. It was probably the worst season of my life. And being deposed, the depositions, I had to be there for everything. Suddenly, one day in this case, we're up in McKinney, uh, a young lady who was a product manager for us 
who was in charge of the product that we believe that this company stole trade secrets uh, from, uh, it came out in her testimony that she had accepted a job with Cisco in August of that year, but did not resign from Fujitsu until November. As soon as that came out, I'll never forget this, their, their attorney jumped up and said, I would like to have a recess. The case, the case was solved that afternoon, okay? My point in telling you all of that is lawsuits are not pretty. And what Paul is going to give us is some practical advice for the church, how we as believers should operate. Now, there's been a statement out here. Have you ever heard this statement that followers of Christ should never be involved in a lawsuit? Have you ever heard that? Someone make a statement? Well, I'm going to share with you actually what God's Word does say, because that statement I made is not necessarily accurate. But there is, Paul is very clear in how believers should deal with one another. So let's take a look at the text here. And, and what we see here in setting this up is that news had come to Paul that some Christians uh, were going to the law against their fellow believers before judges of the world. So he lays down these instructions for the church in Corinth. And again, this, is, this advice uh, uh, applies to us here in the year 2016. Now, I want you to note the repetition of, a, of an expression that Paul uses. He uses this expression, do you not know? Do you not know? And we're going to see that in verses 2, 3, 9. And even though we're not going to go beyond verse 11 here tonight, it's also in verse 15, 16, and 19. Do you not know? Basically, what Paul is saying, hey, Corinthians, you should know this. Wake up. What are you thinking? So we'll see that here. So verse 1, uh, when one of you has a grievous against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? So you can ask the question here, well, Ron, how do we know that Paul is addressing lawsuits? Nowhere does it say. Now, it's, he says there's a grievance. Well, we know that by this phrase, go to law. In the Greek, go to law means lawsuit. So Paul is addressing a lawsuit here. And in this opening question, Paul is shocked. He, he's surprised that any of these believers would think about taking their brother to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints. And why would the righteous ever go to the unrighteous to get justice? The unrighteous, I mean, they, they go about their lives far differently than the righteous, just their thoughts and how they go about their business here. See, what it comes down to, there is God's way and there's the world's way. And what Paul is saying is that we need to operate under God's umbrella. And the world will, will tell you has a different agenda. It's like I teach a class here at the church called Living in God's Economy. And what I teach in that class are 10 principles of how people should go about handling their money and possessions according to the instruction that we have in God's Word. And I'm here to tell you it is far different than what the world tells us, what financial success is. 
So anyways, uh, looking for justice for those from those who have none to give. And so we come to verse 2, and Paul asks two questions. I love these questions. He says, or do you not know, there we go, uh, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try these trivial cases? So he asked this question, the saints, uh, you're going to judge the world. Don't you know that you're going to judge the world? Now, what he is referring to, whether you realize this or not, do you know that with Christ, when Christ comes back and he judges the world, do you know man, the righteous man, that we will help reign over the world, the earth, for over a thousand years? I mean, we're going to be co-partners with Christ. Now, we have to be very careful when, when we talk about this. This is only possible because of the blood of Christ. And this is only going to be for those who are righteous in the eyes of God here. Um, we, we can back this up. It, it's spoken of in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. It says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. In Revelation 2, uh, verse 26, it says, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. What an awesome responsibility that we are going to be given, that we are going to be able to reign with Christ over this earth. And what Paul is saying, if you can't handle the trivial matters of this earth, you know, how are you going to reign with Christ? And this is really a rhetorical question that he is asking them. And as far as these saints, I mean, they are equipped to handle these matters here on earth. We see what we see earlier in this study in chapter 1, verse 5, um, where, where Paul tells us that the Corinthians, even though there's been no spiritual growth, that they, are, they have been given spiritual blessings. a matter of fact, abundant spiritual blessings. Uh, the, the actual uh, statement is, again, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge. So Paul is telling us it's not an excuse for you to use that you weren't equipped. You have been given everything that you need in terms of wisdom, in terms of knowledge, where you could settle this matter with your brother, as opposed to going to an unrighteous judge here. Well, uh, verse 3 continues on, details of this judgment and reign. And I think this is an amazing statement. He says, verse 3, he says, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Uh, how much more than matters pertaining to this life? So not only... Um, not only are we going to judge the world, but we're going to play a role in judging the angels. I mean, think about this for a moment. You know, recently our pastor did a study on angels. It's fascinating. I would encourage all of you uh, to do a study on angels. Uh, I, I personally, now pastor wrote a book on angels, so I have to tell you that's the best book I've ever read on angels. But I would tell you the second best bu book that I've ever read on the study of angels actually comes from Billy Graham. It's a great read. You're done. You've read it, and it's a fantastic study on the subject of angels. 
but we're going to reign over the angels. Now, in God's hierarchy today, God is a God of plan and order and hierarchy. Today, on, on the hierarchy list, angels are above us. But when Jesus comes and restores this world and we're restored, um, we're going to be above the angels and we will reign. But I have to explain something here uh, f- for you here. Um, Again, as far as angels, they are created beings who serve God. Um, we see in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 14, that they are ministering spirits. Although angels cannot ever share the testimony of Christ, they are like servants. They, will, they serve, they follow out on a, on a game plan that God has given them, fulfilling whatever he has for them to do. They're basically to use... Uh, Modern day in slang, they're gophers, okay? They're spiritual gophers and powerful ones, and they're sent out to serve and for the sake of those who will experience salvation. That's who angels are. Now, there are fallen angels. We won't have any role in dealing with fallen angels. The Lord is going to deal with the fallen angels, He's going to throw them in the fiery pit. With Satan, we see that it's backed up in Second Peter chapter two, verse four. It says, "For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment." But our text here that we have that we will reign over the angels is referring to the angels that the good angels, and we will help in ru- helping God run. Th- the universe and this world in judgment and everything, that we will have a say in how the angels are used. And think about that for a moment. That is an incredible responsibility that we are given. And you're telling me that you can't settle some issue that you have with a fellow believer? That's what Paul, why he's bringing this up. Um, So, Verse 4, we now come to a very difficult verse. Now, when I introduced 1 Corinthians to my other classes, I told them that this was a promise. This is a problem book. See, it's a problem book in that Paul is addressing many problems. But it's also a problem book because there's some problem verses. There's some very challenging verses in 1 Corinthians that... On the surface, it looks like it's going against what we have read in other scripture. But there are no conflicts in God's word. And what you have to do is really look at those problem verses in the context in which they're said. So we come to one here, verse 4. It says, so if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? So what he is saying is that the leaders of this world today, like judges, that they have no standing in the church, that their rulings don't matter, that they really, we shouldn't respect them. And that's in direct conflict of what we have in Romans chapter 13, where we are told that we should submit to authorities. The exact text that we see in Romans, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, none of us want judgment from God. 
But what he just told us is that he is the one who puts leaders in place. He puts judges in place. And that even means a, a leader who you may not agree with. God has put them in place for a reason and for a purpose because he is sovereign. He is a sovereign God. But we've been just told is that these authorities have no standing in the church whatsoever. Well, how do we resolve all of this? I love how John MacArthur explains this. Here's what John MacArthur had to say. He says, when Christians have earthly quarrels and disputes among themselves, it is inconceivable that they would turn to those least qualified unbelievers to resolve the matter. The most legally untrained believers who know the word of God and are obedient to the spirit are far more competent to settle disagreements between believers than the most experienced unbeliever void of God's truth and spirit. That means that if you want to solve a dispute that you have with another believer, the best resource you have is, is you working it out with that fellow believer or having someone in the church be serve as a mediator. Here at the church, we offer mediation. Matter of fact, ministers on staff all the time are, we're mediating uh, when people come to us. Uh, there are people that that's their profession. They're, they're Christian. They provide Christian mediation services. And, and what we're told here is that you could have a judge who went to the finest law school, who is considered the smartest judge in all of America, and you will not get as much wisdom unless you are going to someone who knows God's word. It's ingrained. It's a godly man or woman. Um, so anyways, look, make no mistake about it. We are citizens of the United States, and that is a great blessing. What comes with being citizens of our country is the freedom and the economic opportunities that we have. And we're told in Scripture to give the Caesar what is Caesar's. That means we pay our taxes. That means we serve in the military. That means we serve in public office. But make no mistake about it, what trumps that is that we are, no pun intended, uh, uh, what, what is greater than that, I shouldn't have used that, but what is greater than that is that we are citizens of God's kingdom here on earth. And whenever God's ways conflict with, with what the world tells us, who are we going to follow? We're going to follow God, absolutely. By the way, um, whether you realize it or not, early voting starts on Monday. I can't tell you to vote often, but I can tell you to vote early, okay? And uh, so um, make sure you vote. It's, a, it's, it's fulfilling that, that gift that we have of of, of living in such a, a great country with freedom here. You know, another way of looking at this, for Christians to not forgive one another and reconcile their own differences is really to demonstrate spiritual defeat. Do you know, I, I know two godly men, godly men who were business partners. They got into a dispute. Do you know, this is how it worked the one partner threw the other partner out of the company, even though he had no legal right to do it. The guy who threw his partner out of the company then went to the district attorney and said, I want this man brought up on charges. 
And um, so investigators came, they looked at, you know, the details, and uh, the investigator said, nah, this is a civil matter. You guys ought to solve this between yourself. That man went to the district attorney because he knew him and said, look, I want, I've been wronged. I want this guy brought up in front of a grand jury. Well, the district attorney did it because he owed the guy a favor. Uh, the trauma that this man went through is unspeakable. These are two godly men. What do you think the world is looking at two godly men who profess Christ in their business dealings? What do you think, what witness is that to the world? Yeah, it, it just, it, it's not good at all. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the gentleman who instigated all this, we went to him, and I was part of that group. And just, this is the, the scripture that we shared with him. Let us mediate this. Do you know, at the end of the day, it was one of those deals where they were both wrong, and they were both right. And it is a crying shame. Now, fast forward years forward, the man who was wronged, he was never charged by, by uh, the grand jury, even though he was completely wiped out, uh, all, all lost everything. Today, this man has, God has restored him. And I want to be very clear about this. God has restored this man where he is doing great. The other man who instigated this, he had like a little mini business empire. Do you know that empire is destroyed? Do you think that's by mere chance? No. I mean, I think this is, this is how, it's because the world tells us that if we have been wronged, that we have got, we've got to make it right. We've got to make it right here. Um, Paul's going to talk about that here in a second. Verses 5 and 6, he says, I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers, but brothers go to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? See, Paul is asking this question really to put them to shame. He's really, what he's really saying is shame on you. Shame on you that you would go to the unrighteous as opposed to settling this brother with brother. Um, really, when you do that, you're being uh, disobedient and you're not acting in a righteous manner here. Do you know, I read a daily devotional by Oswell Chambers. I actually would highly recommend, if you're looking for a daily devotional, but there are days that what you're going to read, you're going to have to read it like three, four, five times to really get it. And I would pray for wisdom, that God would give you wisdom. The name of it is My Utmost for His Highest. It, it, it's, it's, it, I love it. Yeah, it just it speaks to me so much. And I read it year after year. I've got my notes in there. And it's interesting that I get something new out of it every year when I read it. But today's, but today's devotional, uh, Oswell Chambers, and it's called My Utmost for His Highest. Phenomenal devotional. But for today, uh, October 22nd, here's what he, here's what it starts off with the daily devotional. It says, we are in danger of getting into a bargaining spirit with God when we come to him. We want the witness of the spirit before we have done what God tells us to do. Why doesn't God reveal himself to you? He cannot. 
It is not that he will not, but he cannot. Because you are in the way as long as you won't abandon yourself to him in total surrender. I think it applies to this situation that we're talking about here in the church in Corinth. Is that, see, rather than following sound biblical instruction from, from the Apostle Paul, okay, and this is ordained from God, wisdom from the Lord, they want to do it according to their sinful instincts. They've got to get justice on their own. And, um, and I, I, that really, I, I think that, that speaks to me that how can God bless? Just as I told you that story of the two men, I find it very interesting. The man who instigated this and caused all the trouble and the heartache that today he is not, he is not prospering. Um, verses 7 and 8, it says, To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Hey, here, here's what, what, it, what this is saying. is, Hey, Apostle Paul, you don't understand. I was done wrong, and I want justice. And Paul is saying that it's better to suffer wrong. Uh, why not? Uh, it, it's better to be frauded and suffer wrong than for you to be disobedient and for you to go out of line of this instruction. That's what he's telling him here. Uh, it is much better to receive a wrong than to commit one. You ever hear the saying, two wrongs don't make a right? Yeah, I heard that time, all the time growing up. Okay, here's the deal. I have four sisters. I'm the only boy. I'm right in the middle. I've got two older sisters, two younger sisters. I'm here to tell you hand-me-downs was brutal on me, okay? I, I mean, I've had, I've had to go to the Lord and a lot of healing. I mean, it's tough, you know. And, uh, but, but I can tell you growing up, I heard this statement all the time, two wrongs don't make a right. I, I just remember that. And you know what that leads me to believe? We used to fight all the time, you know. My sisters were constantly harassing me, getting me in trouble. And I'd go tell on them, you know, or I'd do something wrong, and I'd say, well, they did this to me. And I always heard the words, well, two wrongs don't make a right. So when I saw that here in the commentary, I kind of I broke out in a cold sweat because it flashbacks there. Anyways, I could tell you a few stories about my sisters, things they did to me. Anyways. <laughs> But I won't tell you what I did to them. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> so, verse nine. We come to verse nine here. This is a significant statement. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, or nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. So um, here's what Paul is getting at here. We're going to we're going to um, we're going to reign in God's kingdom. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Do you know for the believer that our true gift we don't receive it in this present life? See, there are too many believers who think that hey, I want I, and there's nothing wrong with trying to get the very best. Matter of fact, we ought to strive for greatness. We serve a great God. But if you think that your true reward is going to happen here on this earth, you are sadly mistaken. For the believer, 
our true reward is when Jesus comes back. But the world, the world, their reward is going to be here on this earth and that's it. And then what they're going to experience is eternal damnation forever, forever. I mean, I would rather have my reward when Christ comes back for, for eternity as opposed to this fallen dark world. And don't you know that you're going to inherit the kingdom of God? Brothers and sisters, resolve your grievances with one another. Don't go to the unrighteous to have them, to have them solve it. So how does this apply to us here today? I think it's clear that if you have been wronged by a fellow brother or sister in Christ, and you feel like you need to go take it in, in the route of a lawsuit, Paul is warning us to not do that, to not do it. Now, I want to be very clear, though, about something. This does not mean, this is talking about two believers. This does not mean that if you have been wronged by an insurance company or a corporation, whatever, and, you're, and you have tried to resolve it, and the only way that you can resolve it is through the courts, Paul is not talking about that. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ who have a dispute. See, there's a bigger lesson in all of this is that we really... See, I think one of the worst crimes in the church today is Christian on Christian crime. You know, it's bad enough. The unsaved are going to treat us badly. But why would we as fellows, brothers and sisters in Christ, treat one another in not a loving and kind way? Look, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here in that I've been guilty of not treating someone fairly who's a, a brother and sister in Christ, but I, I thank God that God can totally convicts me if I ever act that way. If we ever experience where we're not treating a fellow believer in love, compassion, being gracious, accepting, you know, Lord, change our hearts. Let us be like Christ. We're called to be like Christ. Hey, the way that this world is going, this world needs, needs light, and we are called to be that light. We have such turmoil in our country today. We've never, I, I mean, I, I just, uh, it, it, you, you can't even watch the news. It, 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 can, it can depress you. And the calling, you know, we have these elections coming up. Let me tell you something, okay? Max Locato wrote a great article. Everyone's talking about November 8th, what's going to happen on November 8th. Max Locato wrote an article on, let me tell you what's going to happen on November 9th, the day after the election. What's going to happen is God is going to be on his throne. He's sovereign. We saw here in the text I showed you that he is the one who's going to pick who our next president is. But that doesn't mean we stay home. We have to get up. And do our part. We have to be give the Caesar what is Caesar's. We need to be faithful citizens. And but God is going to place who our next president is going to be. But God is going to be on His throne. He's going to reign. Jesus is coming back. He's going to solve this whole mess. And I'm telling you what, what we are in store for. I don't even have the words to share with you how great it's going to be. We should never forget that. What our hope and what our future is. And that's how, it's that, that we have, the love of Christ, that we were once lost, but now we're found, that that's how we ought to be going about our business. 
So if anyone ever wrongs you, you ought to seek them out and and try to resolve it one-on-one. If they won't, then you go get some people in the church to go with you, to go and approach them. And if they won't at that point, try to get mediation. And if that, pray for that person, that the Holy Spirit, again, they have the Holy Spirit. They're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will indwell, will, will convict them. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, the comfort, the counsel, but convict. Pray that the Holy Spirit would just convict them to make this right. And um, so that's what Paul is telling us. Again, I don't want anyone leaving here thinking that this, that statement I made in, in uh, starting off that as believers, we should never be involved in a lawsuit. That's not what Paul is addressing here. It's Christian on Christian, believer on believer uh, behavior, how we go about it.